So it's 200 ballots, absentee ballots in Fulton County that have been counted twice. This is Georgia. So a ballot contained a vote, a write-in for Kanye West and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, for president and vice president. And they saw it twice and they said, wait, what? And one of the people engaged in a lawsuit looking at high-resolution rescans of the ballots has started seeing these issues. These issues matter greatly. The Secretary of State for Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, he has put out a tweet. And that tweet from Raffensperger states Fulton County's continued failures have gone on long enough with no accountability. Rick Barron and Ralph Jones, Fulton's registration chief, must be fired and removed from Fulton's election leadership immediately. Fulton's voters and the people of Georgia deserve better. Well, this is a long cry from the headline of the Washington Post back in the day. Brad Raffensperger, Georgia elections results are sound. It was an opinion piece from Brad Raffensperger saying, hey, look, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, okay. Everything's fine. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. Except it's not fine. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Allow me to be clear. I have watched these people do the audit in Arizona, and I am still, after all these days, weeks, nay, months, asking the question, what the hell are they looking for? I don't know. I can't figure it out. But I said from the beginning as well that Pennsylvania never should have been certified. The judicial usurped the legislative. They changed the rules of the election and they're not allowed to do it and it never should have been certified and shame on, on Pennsylvania. But when we take a look now at Georgia and the issues here, Right now, the story is 200 absentee ballots. I don't know what we're going to see tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know what else investigations are going to bring forth. My question is, are people really okay with this happening? If you say to me mistakes are going to happen, I'll say to you, I agree that mistakes can happen. Shouldn't we do the things necessary to limit the level of mistakes. This is where all of those conversations about voter laws come into play, and we see states going uh, down this road, and all we're told is the people who want to go down that road are trying to stop black people from voting, when, of course, that isn't true. That has never been true. That is not true. You have to be out of your mind ignorant to say it. Wanting to ensure the integrity of the vote is everything. As Larry O'Connor at townhall.com points out, they want to make it easier to cheat. Now, you could say, well, Tony, if it was easier to cheat for them, it'd be easier to cheat for the political right. I don't make that argument. I make the argument of who the hell wants it to be easier to cheat?
That's our argument. That's the argument of the rational mind. If you're opposed to voter ID, you want it to be easier to cheat. If you favor ballot boxes and and being able to stuff them, you want to make it easier to cheat. You do. If you favor mail-in voting, you want to make it easier to cheat. End of list. I didn't say you will cheat. I said you're making it easier to cheat. This is obvious to rational people. What isn't obvious is if you have these twice counted votes in Fulton County of these 200 absentee ballots, what else is double counted? What faith is there going to be in the election? And how do you certify? How do you do it? Now, you could say to me, Tony, what you're bringing up could lead to a lot of changes in election law. And I'll say to you, okay, I'm fine with this. If we can't get it done between election day and the day that uh, the, the votes have to be in, right, you, the, the electors go and, and, they, and they vote, that's December, then the certification happens in January, well, then maybe we have to change some things around. Maybe we have to start accepting the fact that all this technology is bad juju. We can't technologically advance ourselves out of this situation. Sometimes you got to go old school. Sometimes you got to fill in the circle. Sometimes you got to pull the lever. Now, maybe we've been having these problems all along, and they're always going to be a little bit of problem. Maybe. But when you're told that even to look, you were told that even if you wanted to look to see what happened in some of these states, that you were denying that Joe Biden was the president of the United States and you're guilty of, I don't know, treason or whatever it is they want to call you or whatever it is they want to say about you. Of course, that wasn't true. If you weren't willing to 100% say Joe Biden won the election, everything else is nonsense. If you were to even question the results, you were, were a traitor. You were a fool. You were to be mocked. You were to be ridiculed. That's their system. That's the political left and the media apparatchik at play, which is why I want no part of it. Of course, you can question. As a matter of fact, you should. You just have to do it rationally. You know what wasn't rational? Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell wasn't rational when she said she had proof of this and proof of that and the Kraken was going to be released. And then there was a well, she was making an accusation of uh, you know, someone in Georgia being on the take. You can't make that accusation without a bit of proof. And I remember the Sidney Powell conversation because I said on air, you're going to have to show me. Show me. And then people tweeted, oh, she doesn't have to show you. She has to show a judge. I'm not saying no. This same conversation happened with Tucker Carlson. No one's saying that she doesn't have to show me. She has to show a judge. If you're saying you've got proof of impropriety, you show a judge. But the court of public opinion matters. And if you don't think you have to show it to the court of public opinion, you don't quite understand how any of this works. You may have to sit down with a pudding cup and relax. There's a difference between saying to Sidney Powell, show me the proof of the fraud, and saying, I want to take a look at that and see what happened there, because that seems awkward. 
What society says, oh, no, no, you can't investigate? Investigate. Take a look. Transparency matters. I didn't say accuse and just drop it. That's what Harry Reid did to Mitt Romney. Harry Reid said to Mitt Romney running for president, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't pay his taxes. He said that in the well of the Senate. And when he was asked about it, he said, don't ask me, ask Mitt Romney. You can do that in America? I don't care how long Harry Reid apologizes. What a scumbag of a man. Garbage individual. One man's take. You can quote me there. But if we have Fulton County not following the protocols of the election, where else did they not follow the protocols of the election? This is a question worth asking. And it doesn't make anybody a traitor to their country for asking it. Clearly, they were right in taking a look at this and saying, Ha! Huh, I wonder what else is going on. Let's take another look. This isn't the only story going on today. There's a book burning going on from the American Booksellers Association. I have that story up next. I'm Tony Katz. The American Booksellers Association has engaged in a book burning. And the book is written by Abigail Schreier. Abigail Schreier has written a book called Irreversible Damage. The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. You know about this book because it was taken out of Target stores. Somehow this book is hateful. The book is not hateful. Rather, it is having a conversation about something going on in society. But for the woke folk, that conversation is unacceptable. We must state in a clear voice that the woke folk don't get to decide for us what we say and when we say it. And when they do, they are authoritarians. They are the bigots. They are the hateful. They are the violent. People opposed to a book discussing transgender children and transgender girls are the violent people in society. They are neither good nor decent. And we should say so. But what happened? The American Booksellers Association sent this book out in a mailing to members. I guess they send out books from time to time and they... They put uh, books out there, and here's what they wrote. An anti-trans book was included in our July mailing to members. First, this is not the case. Rather, this is a conversation about what's happening. Something that would be anti-trans would be the idea of being violent towards people who are transgender, and this book does not do that. An anti-trans book, they write, was included in our July mailing to members. This is a serious, violent incident that goes against ABA's and policies, values, and everything we believe and support. It is inexcusable. It's serious and violent to send somebody a book where they may disagree with the premise? They may disagree with what's in the book? I have never once thought this way about any bookseller that sells Mein Kampf. Never once. It never dawned on me to be opposed to such things. 
We apologize to our trans members and to the trans community for this terrible incident and the pain we caused them. We also apologize to the, and I got to read it here, LGBTQIA plus community at large and to our book selling community. Apologies are not enough. We've begun addressing this today and are committed to engaging in the critical dialogue needed to inform concrete steps to address the harm we caused. Those steps will be shared in the next three weeks. It's a book. Only in North Korea, Cuba, and China can a book be described as a serious violent incident. Iran as well. So congratulations, those people who are part of the transgender movement. Look at the ranks you belong to. It's you and Kim Jong-un and Fidel. Or I should say Fidel's dead. It's Canel in Cuba. It's the people who are transgender or bust and Xi Jinping who's putting Uyghur Muslims in prison camps. Not because I said so, but because the American Booksellers Association said so. They don't believe in free speech at the American Booksellers Association. This is radical, dangerous, and it should be said that I am more than happy to invite Abigail Schreier to Indianapolis, where I live and breathe and do a book signing with her. Absolutely I would, because I believe in free speech. Now, I'm not inviting Louis Farrakhan to Indianapolis, that Jew-hating bigot. I'm just not going to stop him from publishing a book, because I don't have that right. He has the right to speak. He has the right to freedom of the press. He can write whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. I don't get to stop him. What's the matter? People are going to be so afraid by, by, you know, endangered by what they read? They're going to be hurt by it? I don't, uh, if, if you are transgender or aligned, if, if you will, I don't care if you're hurt by a book or not. I don't care if you're hurt by the book. That's your issue. Do you care if I'm hurt by a book? Do you care if I'm insulted by a book? I didn't think you did. And you might say that that you that that you care, but you're you're lying, and you don't have to lie to me. You know, it, it's a, a, a very good book that Jonah Goldberg wrote before he went off the off the rails. Is the, is the idea of uh, you know tyranny of cliches? Like, for example, I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Somebody who says that, you really think they'll defend it to the death? These people here. At the American uh, Booksellers Association, they won't defend it to the death. They don't believe in a free press. They believe in a, in, in a uh, um, culturally a acceptable press only. They don't believe people should put radical thoughts into the sphere. Oh, my gosh. Someone might disagree. Someone might come up with a different idea. These incidents harmed booksellers, ABA board members, and ABA staff who identify as LBGTQIA plus and or BIPOC, black indigenous person of color, I don't know why, as well as the wider community. They also added to a toxic culture as well. Well, see, that's all garbage. So let's say it the way it needs to be said. You're cowards. Anti-intellectual, totalitarian cowards. But I repeat myself because cowards are both things.
You don't believe in free speech. You don't believe in free thought. You don't believe in the very concept, as Edward Schills would discuss, of civility. You don't think ideas should be allowed in the sphere and then debated and good ideas rise and bad ideas fall. You think ideas should be kept from people. What makes you different than Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un, or Canel in Cuba? Maduro in Venezuela. The Ayatollah in Iran. And the answer is nothing. There is not a single ounce of hyperbole in what I just said. Just facts. Just facts. So, yes, uh, Producer Ari, I'm going to have you reach out to Abigail Schreier. We would like to do a book signing. Why? Because we should support free speech. And people can debate the ideas. Now I'm going to leave it to others to do the book signing for uh, Louis Farrakhan. I'm not, I'm, I, I admit, uh, oh, look at me, the hypocrite. I am not inviting him here. But I'm not going to keep him from coming. Now, when, uh, if we can get her to come, people may actually protest. Good. First Amendment, knock yourselves out. If they try and get physical, we're going to push back. Because you don't get to get physical. You don't get to demand it your way or no way. That's not how a society works. So just so you know what's coming. But we are going to reach out. Producer Ari, you're on it. We want to know, August, uh, September, when, when can we do this? And have the conversation. Hear what she has to say. And then we as a, as a society can decide whether we like it or don't. That's what's supposed to happen. The American Booksellers Association sided with Kim Jong-un, sided with Xi Jinping, sided with societies that would kill you for being gay. When they said, oh, we can't send out this book. What an horrible thing to do. It's serious and violent to this book. Pathetic. We stand for free speech. Meanwhile, in California, they may stand for a better day. Kira Davis is up next to discuss the recall election. I'm Tony Katz. In California, there's a recall taking place. The petitions in, they got the signatures, and Gavin Newsom has got his head on the block. The Democrat, the liberal, the former mayor of San Francisco, it's possible he's going to lose his gig. His policies during COVID, his hypocrisy during COVID, never mind other policies regarding illegal immigrants and taxation. Leading Californians to do what Californians do, recall elections. This last happened with Gray Davis, who replaced him, a guy by the name of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was a terrible governor, by the way. I mean, he was just absolutely awful. But it shows that Californians, when the moment comes, they aren't afraid to make a change. The question is, what change can be made and what does it say for us across the country regarding either the midterms or the 2024 elections? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Kira Davis joins us right now of redstate.com where I will soon be a contributor. My videos will be there twice a week. You can go to redstate.com, join the VIP and use the promo code Katz, K-A-T-Z, and get your discount. But you can read Kira 
any single day of the week. Real Kira Davis on Twitter. She also fills in for me here from time to time, and she has been one of the leaders in moving this recall election down the line. Let's start from the basics. What is the real message of this recall? What is it that Gavin Newsom did specifically that had Californians saying, yeah, we're done here? Hey, Tony. Yeah, thanks. Well, last year you were one of the few people that actually had me on to talk about this freelance bill, AB5, which killed the gig economy and is now trying to be snuck into the budget reconciliation um, at the national level. And so that was the start of this mass displeasure with Gavin Newsom. And that's when really our Democrat colleagues here in the state kind of got on board with the idea of we need to get rid of this guy because now a million jobs have been just decimated by making freelancing illegal. And so uh, we that started it. But really the catalyst, and I think everyone knows this by now, was his appearance at the French Laundry last year, right after Thanksgiving or right before Thanksgiving, while he was in the midst of telling the rest of California, stay home. If you leave your home, you're a murderer. Uh, if you don't wear a mask, you're a murderer. We, we're, I'm going to have to keep this state locked down for a long time if you guys don't get in line. And then he shows up at a $20,000 plate dinner with a bunch of with 20 or 30 lobbyists at one of the only restaurants that he allowed to stay open in California. So that was that. That was, I mean, that was the day where I walked out of my house and I saw neighbors who aren't particularly politically inclined come up to me and say, you know what, I just Googled where to find my my local recall petition and I got my kids in the car and I drove over there and I signed it because I've had enough. And a lot of people said, Tony, that we couldn't do it because people like to make fun of us here on the left coast. Oh, the Democrats are just going to win anyway. You, you can't do it. And we did it. And now there's a lot of people who are saying we're not going to win this recall. We're not going to recall him. But you know what? People said we weren't going to get that recall on the ballot, and we did. So I think that, that this, is, this is really, Tony, about a year where people have lost everything and having to watch their governor just pretend that he doesn't care and that, and that he doesn't even see you and he lives his life as normal while Californians are literally trying to figure out how they're going to educate their kids, how they're going to put food on their tables, how they're going to pay the debts that they've incurred over the last year while their businesses have been shuttered because they don't have lobbyists on, in Sacramento. They don't have those people. That's what this is about. What's people interesting. in California have had enough. What's interesting in, in, in the description, and, and, and you have been early on this, and you, you've always been passionate about it, it's interesting to see Californians, really anybody, move in a, in, a, in a way that is all emotion and not a specific policy prescription that they feel damages them. Don't get me wrong. AB5 is damaging, and that's what we see uh, in, for example, the PRO Act, which they want to push on the federal level, and we should all be uh, uh, opposed to. You're, you're sharing it as a, really, a, how dare you treat me like that when you're yes. doing that? I've had enough. That's interesting that it would so connect on, on a visceral level with people on every side of the aisle because no matter how much Gavin Newsom talks about how this is a Republican plot against him, the numbers show that there are plenty of Democrats and progressives who have had enough as well. Oh, yeah. I think it was up to something like 33% or 35% of the recall signatures were from Democrats. And you hit the nail on the head, Tony. This is very emotional. In fact, I was talking with a, a Republican strategist here in the state the other day, and we were saying, you know, this is 
Republicans like to say, as led by the great and very intelligent Ben Shapiro, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. But I don't know if you've noticed, but feelings don't care about facts either. And in a state like California, they really don't. So it's important that Republicans get in on this this emotional response to this governor, because that's going to be a winner. Because at the end of the day, what people in this state respond to is is emotion. This is a creative state. It's full of creative people. And it's just the way it is. And when people feel like they are being treated unjustly to the point where they can't even justify their own politicians anymore, then you've got to pounce on that. Republicans pounce, you know, you got to pounce on that. You got to, you got to take advantage of that. You're absolutely right. This is a very emotional time. And, and people in California have every right to be emotional. Their kids haven't been in school for a year. This governor has been playing games with us. He still holds his emergency powers. He's putting kids in masks when they return to school next month. And you know how hot it gets here, Tony. And we have our schools in Southern California are largely outdoor schools. So, uh, you know, open air schools, I should say, and PE classes in September. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's no reason for it. That, but the governor has some kind of deal with the teachers union and the rest of us get left out of it. So people are sick of it. They're sick. Talking to Kira Davis of Red State, redstate.com. So we have this election coming up. I believe it comes up in September, right? Yes, yeah, September 14th. So now we got to take a look at who's on the ballot. And it's very interesting. Somebody we, we both know, Larry Elder, a radio host, uh, mm-hmm. uh, no, known as the sage of, uh, of, uh, of South Central, uh, getting into this race, black Republican, one of many getting into this race. Who are the big, uh, the, who's got the lead on the Republican side? Because we know Caitlyn Jenner's in this, a series of others. Yeah. Who, who are the top three contenders right now? Well, we do have Caitlyn Jenner, of course. That's a, that's, it, here, the, here's the thing, folks. It's really largely going to come down to name recognition. That's how we got our own Schwarzenegger that time. And so that's why it's really exciting that Larry Elder got in this race, because he's a big name among conservatives. Uh, voters and um, I'm really excited. I love Larry, just like everybody does. Um, Caitlyn Jenner was a, a name, not necessarily a, a great political personality, but a name. So those would be the top two, and then close in third is the person I'm supporting personally, and that's uh, an assemblyman from the sixth district, Kevin Kiley, who is has been known as kind of. He's gained this reputation in the last year of being California's assemblyman because he's been the lone voice on the floor. He's brought to to bring repeal bills for this AB5 bill. I mean, I think he's up to three now. He's the guy. He's the reason we can go to church. He he sued when the governor was closing churches and keeping strip clubs and casinos open. He sued uh, to on a constitutional basis and won that for us. He's continuing a lawsuit to force the governor to release his emergency powers. So he's kind of one of those guys that's like not a lot of name recognition, but he's really popular among Democrat voters as well. He's a Republican, but because of his fight uh, for our civil rights during this last year. So I would say right now that it is, it is a battle of these top three people for name recognition. And then you've got a couple of other old timers. You've got, Kevin Falconer, who was the mayor of San Diego, and he's kind of the GOP establishment candidate. And then you have John Cox, who ran 
uh, who I think this is his second time running for governor here. I think he may have run in the Midwest somewhere as well. And he's a wealthy businessman who is very instrumental in funding the recall effort. And so he definitely deserves props for that. I think Cox and Falconer, their star is starting to fall a little bit because they're business as usual. Then you got guys like Larry Elder and Kevin Kiley who are kind of like shaking it up. So I, I guess know. the it's question is why it's too soon we, we don't have any polls yet to, to tell how could Republicans not just gather around one candidate and say this is the guy this is who can win everybody step out that's it why go through this fight well that's a good I'm glad you asked that question it's a great question first of all they don't need to it's important that everybody knows that the recall election is is two questions the first question is will you vote do you vote to recall? Governor Newsom from his position as governor of California. Yes or no? You want to vote yes on that. We all want to vote yes on that. So that's it. If if the majority is yes, then he's gone. That's it. He's not running against anybody. He's running against himself. If the majority of voters say, yes, we want to recall him, then he's gone. Then we go to question number two, which says, well, if you vote to fire this guy, then of these candidates, which would you prefer to replace him? And then you can pick from that list of candidates. It would be nice to coalesce around one candidate, but you and I have been in politics long enough to know how that works and people get split and people have different ideas of who would be good and who would be right. But at the end of the day, we're, we're kind of lucky in this election because we don't need to be fighting each other over who to support. All we need to do is support that first question, get rid of Newsom, and then we can focus on who may be the best governor. And frankly, Tony, at this point, I think that the message we would send to the National Democrat Party uh, uh, by getting rid of Newsom now is probably more powerful than whoever we would and elect. This to is him. the follow-up question. You know, there's the question of what happens if Newsom survives, but then there's the conversation of if he doesn't. Do we think that this is a bellwether conversation? This this is a a, a California family fight is what we're seeing here. But you're you're making the argument that there's a message that gets sent to the Democratic Party writ large. So what do you think that message is? The message is, is that the American people are not convinced of your mandate. And I think we're seeing that at all, at all levels, Tony, across the country right now. I mean, if you look at what we're seeing coming out of the White House, Jen Psaki standing at the, at the White House press briefings telling us that Republicans are the ones that want to defund police, they're switching the narrative because they're polling right now. Everything coming out of the White House is straight trash, and the American people aren't buying it anymore because the American people are actually living through the consequences. And they're saying, oh, hey, I'm glad we got rid of Trump, but also I live in a border state and, and it's open like a sieve. You know, people, regardless of party, are feeling the consequences of this inflation, are feeling the consequences of not having an, enough employees at their work. And the Democrats, see, they want Gavin, they're importing California to the rest of the country, and they want Gavin in D.C. eventually. Gavin has designs on being president. So we get rid of his, him here, and this tells the rest of the country that, well, dang, if even the people of California won't <laughs> tolerate this stuff, then what does that mean for the rest of the population? So this is a local election with huge national implications. Kira Davis, uh, before I, I let you go, are we placing a bet? Are we placing a bet on the odds that Californians will replace Gavin Newsom? 
sure, let's do it. Is it, I mean, I'm saying, are the odds 50-50 or are they higher than that? <laughs> I would say right now, I would say right now, 60-40 in favor of recall. Really? Yeah. You, th- think, you think there's really enough people... There, there are enough people in Los Remember, we've all been through. I mean, you and I both lived there. I lived there. You still live there. We've been through California elections. We know that yeah. once you get out of Los Angeles County and then uh, in, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, uh, it's, a, it's a conservative state uh, throughout the Inland Empire and, and other places. But there are enough people in L.A. County and, 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 and near, in San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley that are upset with Gavin Newsom to pull the trigger to see him go? That's a two-part question. I don't know the statistics. I, my feeling, we're talking about facts and feelings. My feeling is yes, because that AB5 thing really launched a lot of Democrats into uh, a hysterical state regarding Newsom. But the other thing is this. Um, it might not matter, because in recall elections, Democrats typically don't come out, and people are depressed in the state. And what might happen is people might not really want to see a Republican governor, but they just are, we're banking on a lot of people just throwing up their hands and saying, I'm not even going to bother going to the polls because I'm completely uninspired by anybody. And Republicans typically do get out in recall elections and special elections in California. This I do know special elections typically swing the way of Republican candidates because uh, Democrats, Voters just don't come out. They're not energized by it. They don't pay attention to the news the way that we do, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, I do think that there is a chance that this recall could be successful if for no other reason than a lot of Democrat voters just aren't keen to go out to the polls in the first place. Kira Davis, Real Kira Davis, K-I-R-A, Real Kira Davis on Twitter. RedState.com is where you find her. And starting next week, where you find my new video series, RedState.com. You can use promo code CATS, K-A-T-Z, and you'll get a discount on being a VIP. Kira, always a pleasure. I've got more. I'm Tony Katz.